This morning we'll be coming from the book of 2 Kings, book of 2 Kings, and we'll be in chapter 20. We've been following the life of Hezekiah, looking back at how, how uh, the Lord had used him. And as I begin today, um, I know that a lot of you have not been present uh, for the opportunity to hear about Hezekiah's life. And, and one of those people who's present today, I'm truly thankful that she is here, uh, my grandma, um, who my kids affectionately call her a toy grandma uh, because of all the toys that she had for us to play with. Um, she's here today, and I just, you know, it's just a, a, a thankful thing for me uh, to be able to preach in North Carolina and to have her here. Uh, and, and just because I think of, of, of her effect in my life and both her and my grandpa and how much they invested into me so that I could even be here preaching. I think about how when I went off to, to Bible college and, and when I went away, I almost didn't go because I didn't know where I was going to get the money. And, and I know that uh, grandpa and grandma faithfully, you know, put in month after month uh, to get, help get me through. And uh, I know that without a doubt, I wouldn't be here preaching and being a pastor in North Carolina if it wasn't for the investment that that she and grandpa made, not just financially, but prayerfully, you know, just all that goes into putting us where we're supposed to be. And I just want to take that opportunity to, to thank you, grandma, and to thank the Lord uh, for what he's done through her. And it's just a privilege uh, to preach uh, the gospel in her hearing, because I know that she's had an investment in this. So uh, we're going to Hezekiah. I know you all haven't been here, but I'm excited for multiple reasons, mostly because of Jesus and uh, what he's done in me and what I know he's doing in you. So we'll go to Second Kings, talking about Hezekiah. So if you haven't been here, here's, here's what's been happening. King Hezekiah has become king of Judah. His father had been a wicked king, so wicked that Hezekiah's brothers had been sacrificed by their father on, uh, uh, on this uh, altars of foreign gods. And so here's Hezekiah. He's become king, and right away... At the very first of his kingship, he restores Israel. He begins working to restore Israel back to being faithful to God. They completely get rid of all the idols. Uh, they come back and they restore the law and the temple and they organize the holidays and they're just, they, they go to Jesus. They're working that way. And so we've just seen a great heart that Hezekiah has to respond to the Lord and be, and to, to be faithful. He's had a really faithful heart. And so we've just been, been seeing that all along. We come to a critical point now. Um, he's just overcome. Uh, the Lord has really rescued Jerusalem from a foreign king who was sitting right outside the door. And the Lord spared the city. And so now we come to another portion of Hezekiah's life where we see the Lord at work in him. And this is Second Hezek- Kings chapter 20 where we pick up the story of King Hezekiah. It says, in those days, Hezekiah became sick. And was at the point of death. And, the, and Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amoz, came to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, set your house in order, for you shall die. You shall not recover. So this was bad. Uh, Hezekiah at this point um, knows he feels bad. If you look at the timeline, you go back and do the calculations, he's only 39 years old at this point. Now, he's not as old as me. He's not 40 years old. Okay. He's 39, but he's older than Katie is. She's 38, but he's a, he's a young man. And um, here he is. He's about to die. It's so bad. Later on in the book of Isaiah, we actually have a writing from him, almost like a song that he sings after, after the whole episode happened about how close to death he was. And he gives this interesting illustration when they were, used to um, weave 
weavers would come and they would they would put stakes in the ground and attach their loom to those stakes and they would begin weaving the blanket or the fabric that they needed and so what was great about those looms is you could actually roll up and take them off the stakes and roll it up and take it somewhere else and then put it out on stakes again so you know for a time it would be done be taken away but when you were done weaving you would not only roll up the loom but you would come and cut the fabric off of the loom so when Hezekiah actually speaks of this very moment of how close he was to death, he says this, like a weaver, I have rolled up my life. He cuts me off from the loom from day to night. You bring me to an end. And so Hezekiah knew it was at the end. You're going to cut me off from the loom. That's like you talking about your truck and you say, not only is my truck out of gas, but the engine's all blowed up. Okay. That's what we would say here in Johnston County. Hezekiah saying, my life is all blowed up. Okay, the Lord has me at the end. I'm going to die. And Isaiah brought that word to him. The Lord said, um, get your house in order. You're going to die. Sure, you're going to die. You're not you're not going to um, be able to recover. And verse two, then, though, in second in Kings 20 says, then Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord, saying, now, O Lord, please remember how I have walked before you in faithfulness and with a whole heart and have done what is good in your sight? And Hezekiah wept bitterly. And before Isaiah had gone out of the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him. Turn back and say to Hezekiah, the leader of my people, thus says the Lord, the God of David, your father. I have heard your prayer and I have seen your tears. Behold, I will heal you on the third day. You shall go up to the house of the Lord and I will add 15 years to your life. I will deliver you. And this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. And so Hezekiah, he hears that he's going to die and he turns, I think, like many of us would who were like, I don't know that I want to be done yet. There's some, I don't know why he prayed this, but he he turns to the wall and he's crying bitterly and he, he cries out and says, Lord, you know, I've been faithful. You've seen my heart and what I've done for you. Please, Lord, he just cries out to him. And so the Lord uses Isaiah before Isaiah even left the room while he was in the middle. He said, Isaiah, turn around and go tell Hezekiah. I'm going to give him 15 more years. I've heard his prayer. I'm giving you 15 more years. And I don't know about God changing his mind. I don't know why God let him continuing on to, to live life for 15 more years. But I, I kind of imagine it was happening almost like uh, sometimes we'll be with the kids at karate. And we're over in Benson. They've just got out of class and they may have just earned their belt. And every time we leave karate, we get in our van and we drive all the way back to Four Oaks and we go home. But there are special nights when when they've gotten done with karate and they've earned a belt and we're going home. And on the way home, they said, well, where are we going now? We say, well, we're going home. But the parents know on the way home, we're going to stop and we're going to celebrate by getting some ice cream cones at McDonald's. Okay, so so we haven't changed our mind. We are going to go home because we have three kids who need to brush their teeth and get to bed. But on the way to there, we are going to make a detour and allow for us to celebrate what is happening in the hearts and the family life of us. We're going to get some ice cream. And it's almost at this point as if God says, you know what, you are going to die. But on we're going to take a detour. I'm going to give you 15 more years. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to show you that i'm going to hold off the assyrians i'm going to protect my city for my sake and what i'm doing here so the lord allows this detour in hezekiah's life he allows him to be healed and so we'll we'll see what happens here in verse seven and isaiah said 
bring a cake of figs and let them take and lay it on the boil that he may recover. So we don't know exactly what illness he had, but it says he had as a boil. The word that's used there, just to get a little gross for a moment, literally means eruption. So I don't know what's coming out of the boil. It seems like it's infected. It's probably caught, it's apparently caused enough problems that he was going to die. And yet God has said, you're not going to die. And so Isaiah the prophet goes and says, get me a cake of figs and put it on the boil that he might not die. We don't know if the cake of figs was some type of uh, uh, dressing that actually helped in the healing process. Or more if it was something where they would put it on and then they would be able to take it off and examine the wound and see whether it was in fact being healed. It may have been more of like an MRI of the day, if you would. But I try to imagine what what good is a fig? You know, I don't know if we have anything similar in our day, much better than. um, Well, than these. This, this is the closest thing to a fig cake I could find. You can go to your local grocery store and get yourself some fig newtons. And if you can imagine, in order to get better or tell, you wouldn't go up to Raleigh to, to, to wake med. They pulled out a fig newton, a cake, and they, that's good. It's got fig in there, and they put it on that boil. And God, God had them do that for whatever reason. And I, I can only suspect that the only thing that could have gone better to help in the healing was a cup of coffee, you know. So it just, it just so happens. <laughs> but they take that fig newton, they place it on, and the Lord is giving a sign. He's helping them be healed. And I have more fig newtons. So kids, if you ask your parents and you want a fig newton, you can come see me afterwards. I'll let you have a fig newton. But that's what ended up happening. He takes the cake of figs and he presses it on the boil and the Lord goes to work. The Lord takes Hezekiah and he heals him of the boil. He heals him of whatever eruption is occurring. And he's using this this kind of naturopathic way. And you know what? Don't don't laugh at them. Don't laugh at them. I'll tell you this. When I go to the Thursday morning Bible study out there in the fellowship hall, I learn. Yeah, they're laughing. I learn a lot of things out there. And uh, the other week I learned this that there was a home remedy that was used in this community and maybe still is, maybe some of you still use it, called hogsfoot oil. All right, they were saying, oh yeah, we used to drink some hogsfoot oil. I was like, what? Hogsfoot oil. Have you ever stopped to consider that, that phrase? And literally, I went home and had to research this, that they would take hog's feet, they would boil it up, and they would skim the oil off of the top of that boiled pot, and they would use that. And some of you, you've had it used, what would you use it for? The cough, okay, I've, I've, in my research, it would also be used for constipation and sometimes for colds. So um, there you go. You got a problem with the flu? Hogsfoot oil, okay? That's what you get. You know, we, we have those things in our life. You maybe got some other remedies. Well, in this situation, God had this fig cake placed on the boil, Okay. I would prefer the fig cake over hog's foot oil. I'm just telling you. But that's what they, but, but, but we can't come to the understanding that what healed Hezekiah was the fig. Now, God used, may have used it medicinally. He may have used it as some type of indication. But the thing that came to Hezekiah that provided for him an extension of his life was God. God came to him and said, I am going to give you 15 more years. Here you go. Here you go. Now, we don't know all the reasons why that happened. 
that God allowed that to happen. And we'll get into a little bit of that more. But I just want to show you Hezekiah. He hears this and he sees this and the fig cake goes on and he kind of wants some reassurance. You ever you ever go to the doctor and he tells you something? You say, I want to I want a second opinion. Yeah, you hear that all the time. Well, Hezekiah is like, I kind of want to know that this is for sure that this is going to happen. And so it says in verse eight, Hezekiah said to Isaiah, what shall be the sign that the Lord will will heal heal me? And that I shall go up to the house of the Lord on the third day. And Isaiah said, this shall be the sign to you from the Lord that the Lord will do the thing that he has promised. Shall the shadow go forward 10 steps or back 10 steps? Hezekiah answered, it's an easy thing for the shadow to lengthen 10 steps. Rather, let the shadow go back 10 steps. And Isaiah, the prophet, called to the Lord and brought the shadow back 10 steps by which it had gone down on the steps of Ahaz. So that sounds a little bit odd. Uh, but what's happening here is the sign that's going to be given to Hezekiah is a sign that really had to be something from God. What they're talking about here is basically a sundial. And it maybe not would look like one where we have a post and then it, it whips around, maybe something that looks like the face of a clock, but they would use sometimes these steps. And so Hezekiah says, well, if the sign went forward, in time, that would be an easy thing. I'm like, really? That's an easy thing. But he says, if it went backwards, if God actually made time stop and, and go backwards, if that's the sign that I get, then I know that the Lord's behind this. And so Isaiah prayed to the Lord. And what happened? That time went backwards. Somehow the sun and the shadow moved on that thing to be the sign to Hezekiah that I am fact and going to heal you. And we know that Hezekiah was, in fact, healed. And he writes about it in the book of Isaiah and he says all these things concerning this. And this is one of the things that he says uh, about that. He says, behold, it was for my welfare that I had great bitterness. Now, before we get to the healing, consider what he just said. Later on, when he's writing poetry, a song about what occurred in his life, he said it was for my welfare, for my good. That I had great bitterness. I know in talking to many of you that you have recounted situations in your life. Maybe it was in the last month, the last year. Maybe it was sometime way back in your past and you recount it and there is a bitterness. It was it was hard, right? You didn't ask for it. I guarantee you that a lot of times you weren't even the one that caused it. But there was a point of bitterness in you. And if you ever brought that account back and said it was for my good, that that great bitterness was in my life. Have you? That is really hard. And yet Hezekiah said it was for my good that this thing occurred. And we don't know all the things that are going on in his heart, but we know that it caused him to have to trust God. It caused him to have to cry out to him. It caused him and gave him the opportunity to see God do a miracle and to continue to work in his life and his son's life and in the life of the people of Israel. And so he says, I know that my bitterness, bitterness was tough, but it was for my good. And he goes on and says this. But in love, you have delivered my life from the pit of destruction, for you have cast all my sins behind your back. He said it was for my good because you didn't take me and shove me into the dirt and then cast me off into hell. 
But in fact, what you have done, God, is that you have so loved me that in the midst of all this, I've understood that you have taken my sin from me, that thing that keeps me from life with you and keeps me from eternity. You took my sin and you forgave me. And the illustration he gives is you took that sin, God, and threw it behind your back. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever played football with older kids when you were little. And they tried to keep the ball from you. I hated that game. You know, they would take the ball and there'd be maybe a couple of them, my older brother and his friends, they'd take the ball and they'd keep it away. And sometimes they'd chuck it over and then they would just stand there and, 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 and stand guard. They wouldn't let you near the ball. And you're too little. You can't get to that ball. And that's essentially what God's done with your sin. When you recognize that God took your sin, and even if you wanted to go back to your sin and reclaim it for yourself and say, no, I'm dirty. And God says, no, 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 no. You can't get past me. I've taken your sin. I've thrown it. Over my shoulder. You can't get past me. There's nothing that can reunite you with your sin because I have forgiven you. And Hezekiah says, in your love, you took my sin and you tossed it over your shoulder. You threw it behind your back. And now I'm set free. There was something that occurred in the hardship and the bitterness of what Hezekiah was going through to cause him to understand that this wasn't about something temporary. This was about something eternal. This wasn't about something where he was just having discomfort with an erupting boil on his skin that was leading towards an uncomfortable death. This was something where God was working to cause him to realize his forgiveness in God and that it meant that he would then stand with God throughout eternity. The situations that you go through that are bitter and tough and awful and oftentimes unjust. God will use sometimes in the most penetrating ways to cause you to understand how much he loves you and what he's done to forgive you. Seek him prayerfully in those moments. You didn't ask for that cancer. You didn't ask for that bully. You didn't ask for that really hard situation where you just weren't able to cover everything financially. You didn't ask for that. But I guarantee you the Lord's working in that. And in your prayer as you go and you're steadfast as we've seen Hezekiah be and you trust him and you pour out your heart in prayer and you just listen. And the Lord says, listen to this. I love you. Even in the midst of these circumstances, I love you. And I'm causing you to remember over and over and over that I've taken your sin. And what God does in Hezekiah doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to enjoy 15 years. I think what's happening is God is allowing him 15 more years because God's going to do something more through him that isn't even for Hezekiah necessarily. What we find in Hezekiah's life is that over the next 15 years, he has a son. When Hezekiah dies, his son takes the kingship at 12 years old, which means this. When Hezekiah was about to die the first time, he didn't have a son. That may have been the reason he was crying. He may have been saying, I can't die now. I don't have anybody to hand off the kingdom to. I've been working in, in all this restoration, bringing about people who are faithful to God. And now I don't know who I'm going to hand it to. I need a son. And three years after this illness, he has a son, Manasseh. And then the 15 years after he had prayed that, he dies and Manasseh becomes king. And he has those 12 years of Manasseh's life to do what? Sow a seed. Put a seed in Manasseh, talking to him about the Lord, helping to raise him in the, in the word of God, helping to show him what it is to be a man of prayer. And so eventually, Hezekiah does die. But Hezekiah writes in that passage in Isaiah, he says this, the living, the living, he thanks you. 
as I do to this day, the Father makes known to the children your faithfulness. For those 12 years of Manasseh's life, Hezekiah was living. He was the living. And he got to tell his boy, look how faithful God has been. He's been so, look at all that he's done to restore. Look what he's done to ward off the king of Assyria. Look what he's done to, to heal my body. Look how good God is to take your sin and to throw it behind his back and to never let you or anybody else reattach your sin to you. He forgives you of your sin. You can be sure. So he puts that into his boy and he dies. But you know what's startling? Hezekiah dies and the Bible goes on to account for Manasseh. And you know how Manasseh leads the country? Terribly. It says that Manasseh takes over as king. And even though he didn't have been invested into. That he ends up restoring all the idolatry and all the worship of the foreign gods. In fact, he brings them in and he, he reestablishes in the house of God worship of these foreign gods. He does away with all the reforms that his father did. And it got so bad that Manasseh also sacrificed his sons to foreign gods. What good was Hezekiah's influence in his son's life if his son went off and just dashed it all? What good is it for you to keep pouring into people's life if they're just going to run out and not do a thing? But we have this about Manasseh also told that as a result of his wickedness, God went in and he thumped him. He just he had the king of Assyria come in and come in on Jerusalem and take Manasseh away. It says that he was he was shackled up and actually taken like a hook and he was taken off into Babylon, into Assyria. And while he was over there, we find that while in Jerusalem, he was prideful and he 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 brought in all these four gods. Once he got over to enemy territory, and he was sitting in prison. You know, who he prayed to not the idols. That at that point, he was humbled in prison and he cried out to God and he repented and he said, I'm so sorry. So sorry for what I've done. And it says that the Lord restored Manasseh. And he took Manasseh and he brought him back to Jerusalem. And you know what he did? He began reforms just like his dad did. He eventually came around and he began to reinstall the proper worship of God, having everybody to turn their eyes towards the Lord. I think about what would have happened had Hezekiah not been able to pour into his son. And for a while, his son was wicked, but the word of God came back. It boomeranged around and, and, and Manasseh comes back to the Lord and takes Jerusalem and the people with him. And so you see that the Lord worked something, even though it was a bitterness and there was something that occurred that the Lord worked everything out to do something that brought around eventually his son Manasseh to obedience. You know, one of the reasons why I'm so thankful that my grandma is here today is because if you remember over the last a year or so, I had brought before you during our prayer request time, prayer for her healing. She had taken a bad fall, had been hurt really bad. And even while in the hospital, that which was healing was actually causing some other problems to be going on within her body. And it was really bad off. I mean, when we were there over Christmas and such and visiting her and I mean, it just did not look good. And I know for grandma at times, it probably felt not only like the weaver's loom was being rolled up, but at times the, the it, it was being cut off of the loom. Lord, why? Why do you have me in this situation? She couldn't she couldn't eat anything but ice chips 
for two months. And I'm sure for grandma, there was questions of why. Where are you going with this? This is a this is a bitter moment in me. And yet to see her restored. And to climb stairs at my house in North Carolina. To where she goes up and sits down on the floor with my six year old daughter. And plays woodsies, these little woodland creatures that have a bakery. I don't know how that works, but they did it. And to have her come and and to sit around a table where she can eat sloppy joes with us. But then also at the dinner table also relate to my children, how she came to faith and what the Lord has done in her life. To look back at all the questions of, Lord, what are you doing? Are you about to cut me off the weaver's loom? We have to see how the Lord's continuing to use her in the following generations. You don't know how the Lord's going to use the bitterness that you're going through right now. To affect how you respond to him. In a way to understand how much he loves you and he's taking care of your sin, but also what he's doing in the next generation and also how he's going to use that to work in your spouse and also how he's going to use that as you talk about it with fellow employees and how you come to church and relate it to encourage our faith. You have no idea how the Lord is going to use what's hard in your life. In ways ongoing that are just when you look, turn around, look at it, you're like, this is magnificent. I know it was bitter, but it was for my good. And it was for the good of what the Lord was doing. One of the really great things as we head back to the story of Hezekiah for a moment is this. Hezekiah goes to prayer and says, Lord. You've seen my life. He weeps bitterly. And the Lord grants him 15 more years. And in those 15 years, as we've talked about, he ends up having a son, Manasseh, and Manasseh went out. From the Lord, but then he came back in. And if it was to stop there, that would be a pretty neat story, right? But the story gets better. In Matthew chapter 1, it accounts for the genealogy of Jesus. And it says that Ahaz was the father of Hezekiah, Hezekiah was the father of Manasseh. And when you continue on in that, Manasseh had a son, and he had a son, and he had a son, and on and on and on and on and on. Sons and sons and sons. And when you follow that all the way down in that genealogy, all the way stemming from Hezekiah and Manasseh comes one named Jesus Christ. If Hezekiah had not been restored in order to have a son, there would not have been a Jesus. And friends, if there had not have been a Jesus, you would not be here today calling upon the name of Jesus for salvation. You would have no opportunity before God to say, I am a wicked sinner, but I need your grace and I need your mercy and I need your help. And I've got this bitterness thing in my life. You would have no opportunity before God to be saved and to live in a way to know that God loves you. You would have no chance. Except for that day when God had Isaiah turn around and go back and say to him, you get 15 more years. It was good for Hezekiah, but let me tell you this, the answer to that prayer Thousands of years ago was good for you. If Jesus would not have come, he would not have suffered on the cross. He would not have had the wrath of God come upon him. And if the wrath of God had not come upon him, then you and I would have no chance to cry out to God for forgiveness and for God to take all of your sin off of you. And when he threw it over his back, do you know where he threw his sin? 
You know who's standing behind his back? Jesus Christ on the cross. Your sin went somewhere. It went on to Jesus. When God answered Hezekiah's prayer, he answered it eventually also by sending his son, Jesus Christ, so that in the answer to that prayer, you and I, my friends, would receive grace and mercy through Jesus Christ. You have no idea how the Lord is going to use what he's doing in your circumstance to affect great things later on. As a result of Hezekiah, I can have my grandma tell my my children about Jesus. As a result of what's going on in your life, God will give you opportunity to tell others about things eternal, things glorious. Things too. Too much to even comprehend for what God is doing. God is so good. God is so good. For us, it's the opportunity to recognize that in our life and to say, Lord, you've been good. And whether you use a fig cake to press in on my skin or whether you just by your Holy Spirit do something in my soul to bring me to to emotional health, whatever it is the Lord is doing, he has been so good to you. And ultimately through saying to you, I love you so much that I sent my son Jesus Christ to die for you. Today, you may have something that you've just been carrying around that's it's bitter. Maybe you don't even know that it's bitter, but it's sin. And it seems like it's a lot of fun right now, but it's going to lead you into the enemy prison, just like Manasseh. Friends, these are the things that we bring to the Lord and say, I, I give them all to you. And I just trust I cry out to you like Hezekiah did against the wall and say, Lord, here it is. Here's 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 what I desire. But you're God. And I'll just trust you with the situation. And my friends, he may heal you. He may make a detour in that situation. But we all know this. Fifteen years later, Hezekiah did die. And we know this about every human being that's ever lived. That as a result of sin, every human being will die. Today, do you know that if you would die? You would stand before Jesus and he would say, because you repented of your sin, I took away your sin and you shall live. Or if by refusing to follow him and refusing to lean into him and refusing to confess your sin, if you were to die, would you stand before him and he would say. I don't know you. Depart from me. Would he say to those who would be there, capture him and throw him into outer darkness? Don't leave this room if you don't know Jesus. The whole plan that was worked through the Bible was for that man to come and die for you. So that in moments like this. Through Jesus, you might come to God and say, Lord, I need you. I need your forgiveness. I need you in this situation. I need your mind about this matter. I need your wisdom in this matter. Lord, I just I need you. Would you come to him today and cry out to him? Lord, I need you. And as you go out those doors, you keep your eyes on him, focused and prayerful and listening like we've been talking about the past few weeks. But as you go, also recognize whatever you're going through. He's going to use it to draw you near, but he's also probably going to use it to invest himself into the lives of others. to Sow that seed of the gospel and where you might be involved in that also. Let's pray. Father.
We're grateful for how we've seen you at work through Hezekiah's life. But even as we look at our own lives, Lord, we know that you have been weaving yourself into our story. That through the circumstances and even sometimes trials that we endure, that Lord, you might allow these things to happen to cause us to depend upon you. To force us to have to fall on our knees and to cry out to you, sometimes with bitter tears. Even though we don't know all the answers to the question why. We do know. That you love us. And we do know that you are faithful. And we do know that you bring healing and sometimes that occurs in our body, but you have promised that if we call upon the name of Jesus and we ask for the forgiveness of sins, that you will also heal our spirits and that you will grant us life eternal. And so, Lord, at this moment, we ask that we would fall on our faces before you and cry out in desperate need of your forgiveness. We need your mercy, Lord. We need your grace. Would you save us, Lord? My friends, as we close today, we're going to have an opportunity like Hezekiah to sing out. It's an opportunity for you to continue that prayer that we just started. And if the Lord moves you in your heart to go to the Lord. During the midst of the song, you're welcome to come down here at the front and kneel and and pray and cry out to him. You're welcome to do that in your seat. The, The question is, is your whole heart crying out to the Lord and say, Lord, I will just depend upon you. Please save me. Please guide me. Please show me what you're doing in my life. Let's sing and you pray out and you come to the Lord and give him your life.